ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show called Talkin' Talkies, where they talk talkies. And what is a talkie? It's a motion picture. They they move now. Moving pictures with words. Yes, which of course is totally appropriate. We're going we're to re- review a movie from 1987. The pictures talked quite well by that point. Ah, but it was based in the 1930s, you see. Yes, and the pictures talked then. Pictures talked. So, yes, we're talking about The Untouchables. Yeah. So, we're we're talking about a talkie from the 80s that takes place during the time when talkies were called talkies. I can't wrap my head around that. Yeah, see? Yes. And The Untouchables is about... Elliot Ness and his little group that took on Al Capone. Yes, it's a true story. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It's a true story with creative differences. Kind of, sort of. There's a couple of chains. Creatively awesome. Yes. Um, It's good. (laughs) Just because something isn't 100% accurate doesn't necessarily mean it's not good. Well, if there was... Um, if there were movies that were like 100% accurate, there's like six months where absolutely nothing happened and it's boring as fuck. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So our story takes place in 1930 during Prohibition. You guys all know what Prohibition is, right? It means drinking is illegal. But we do it anyway. That's and uh, Al Capone is played by Robert De Niro. And I love how it starts off with him getting a shave, and he's like talking to the reporters, and everybody's laughing at every word he says. And then the guy cuts him, but he's like, "It's okay, because I could use a gun, but I'm not going to." And then like that freaking place blows up, and the little girl dies. I know. Well, uh, at least Let's start strong, shall we? Jeez. Yep. Mister, you forgot your boom. Sorry. More wrestling references. You guys should listen to the Club Cafe podcast. Let's too. do some good. So the character's name is Elliot Ness. He's played by Kevin Costner. He works for the Treasury, the Bureau of Protection, and he's going to stop Capone. That's his job. Yes, this was a real person. Yes, it is. So he's going to uh, do a liquor raid. Yep, big raid in a warehouse of Canadian whiskey. And all the crates are labeled with maple leaves. So they do this big thing. He gives, like, this big speech, and they're about to plow through the door, and he's like, let's do some good. (laughs) (laughs) But then uh, when he finally breaks into a crate, he pulls out a Japanese umbrella. Yep. LOL. And the reason is because the police are corrupt, and they actually tipped Capone off. So This is Chicago. Yep, because this is how Chicago works. It's corrupt from from the... The senator all the way down to whatever the lowest thing could possibly be. Pretty much, yeah. So he's kind of contemplating his life as a cop. And he meets an Irish-American veteran cop named Jimmy 
Jimmy Malone. Malone. And he's played by Sean Connery. Who won an Oscar. Yeah, well, there's, <laughs> it's pretty easy to see why. He was freaking awesome. Especially when he fights, like, the, the chief or whatever in the freaking streets in the rain, in the middle of the rain. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, <clears throat> Malone's work in The Beat, despite being a veteran cop and a much older cop, much older than what he should be doing. And he's kind of, like, <clears throat> just teaching. He's kind of teaching Elliot Ness the, the rules of law enforcement, not really willingly, he's just kind of saying them. He goes, here's rule number one, always go home alive after your shift. He's like, you going home? Yeah, good, you passed rule number one. He knows he's got a, and he shows how skilled he is by just knowing he has a gun on him, not caring that he turned his back on an armed man because he knows nothing's going to happen. He so, said, how, how did you know that I was a <laughs> treasury? <laughs> he's like, because you said you were. Like, yeah. Who who would just make that up? <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. That's um. There's a really funny line that reminds me of from a show that I like, but I know Dan doesn't care for the Big Bang Theory, when Sheldon can't trust Leonard anymore, and he says, "I wonder if everything you've ever told me is true. You claim to be from New Jersey, but how do I know that's true?" And Leonard's like, "Why would anybody claim to be from New Jersey if they weren't?" Sheldon thinks about it. He goes, "All right, I'll give you that one." <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite lines that's why when people are like you're really from New Jersey I'm kind of like come on guys really would I choose that <laughs> well well, I'm certainly not going to claim I'm a New Yorker lol New York I root for their sports teams but yeah I'm glad I'm not one of them lol here comes the flack so anyway uh, Malone is actually going to assist Elliot Ness. Oh, and Malone tells him why he's walking the beat, right? He just wants, yeah. He just wants to live. That's Pretty why much, he's yeah. He's still walking the beat at his age. Yeah, and he he can't stand the corrupt cops anymore, so they have to recruit people from the police academy if they're going to oh, stop. Oh, I, I love his like. It's like, oh, so you found out the the apples are. Yeah, the apples are rotten, rotten, so you go pick them from the tree. You don't, yeah, so you don't get get forget them from the bush, and you go right to the tree. Yeah, so they're interviewing these guys, and they're given like the the textbook answer of why they want to be cops. He's pissing them off, so he finds this guy to named Serve the Populace. Yeah, no, so he ends up getting uh, Andy Garcia, George Stone, because he's got this superior marksmanship, and he finds out his given name was Giuseppe. He's like, just what we need, a whop. But he likes his attitude because he pulls a gun on him. It was a test, bro. I like him. That's what they need. And then they also uh, get Oscar Wallace, Charles Martin Smith's character, which is basically the accountant from D.C. that gets assigned to Elliot Ness. Yeah, because he just shows up one day. And then like, it's time for a raid. And the guy walks in the room and he's like, "Uh, I have some facts and figures. And then he just hands him the shotgun. He says, you got a badge? He's like, yeah. Here's a shotgun. That guy is the most dynamic character, I would say. Yeah. Because he's just a little pencil pusher, bean counter guy. And yeah. then he becomes real badass. He does. So they do a successful raid. 
this time. <laughs> now the post office. Yep. <laughs> oh, they get yeah, yeah, some. Yeah. They get a lot of publicity out of this, and now they're officially known as the Untouchables. Oh, and now it's one of my. There's like four classic scenes in this movie, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And here's and the co- first one. <laughs> at the Al dinner Capone, party, right? Al Capone giving the baseball speech. <laughs> <laughs> And then he just kills a henchman with a baseball that just bludgeons him to death. And is that red wine or blood spreading across the tablecloth? Both. Or a little bit of both. That's a great scene. Yeah, it's the first one of the four that I like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know, I know, I think I know what at least two of the other ones are. So they, they got to get Capone. They don't know how. So Wallace is like, well... He hasn't, he hasn't filed. He hasn't, he hasn't filed a tax filed. return since like nineteen, <laughs> like nineteen twenty-six. Yeah. They're just like, oh, well, let's at least do the tax evasion case because we can at least get him for that. Yeah, continue to look into that while we continue to try to bring him down for murder. Yep. <laughs> and they 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 try to bribe Ness out of it too. Oh yeah, that guy. And he tells like what they used to do back in the Roman days to people who tried to bribe officials. <laughs> but now we've got more problems because when Ness goes home, he finds out that Frank Nitty, which is one of Capone's top gunmen, is just like parked outside his house, just like, hey, you live there? Pretty nice place. Nice family, too. Just like, oh, shit. Yep, so he gets them into, into protective custody yep. and stuff. He has to move his wife and his daughter. And like, it's house. time to go to war. And then that's exactly when Malone shows up with Stone and says, oh, we know when there's a deal going down. So let's go to Canada, which this is now my second classic scene, most yes. specifically how it ends, but the entire sequence is pretty awesome. The sequence as, is great. As they are teaming up with some of the uh, Canadian mounted police because... They're doing a liquor deal on a bridge that is right on the border. And I absolutely love that they're all on horses. Yeah, everyone's on uh, horses. The Mounties. Uh, but the Mounties jump the gun, so they're like, shit! So they have to go as fast as they can to walk off the other side of the bridge. And freaking Stone gets hit pretty quick, but he's alright because they hit him like in a strap or something like that. But he's down for like the entire fight, pretty much. And this is when freaking Mr. Bean Counter goes all ham and kills like 10 people <laughs> with a know, shotgun. He just starts killing them all. And he freaking loses. He freaking uh, he runs out of ammo. And so he just freaking bum rushes the last guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, holy crap. And I love how they make the bookkeeper talk. He's in the cabin. And Malone just picks up. Just picks up the dead gangster and pretends like he's still alive and then shoots him in the head. Yeah, that's like, oh, my God. <laughs> right, I'll talk, I'll talk. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they, they have, like, a ledger with them, but it's all coded, so we need it uncoded. Yep. It's crazy. So they're going to – we're back in Chicago now. And here comes the uh, – this is probably going to be the next classic scene. This is the uh, – this is the shit gets real scene because they're trying to move George, the bookkeeper, to yeah, the safe house. The train station. And you find out that Nitty is actually dressed like a police officer. And he's escorting them down the elevator. And he turns around. And he kills both of them. Yeah. And then he hangs. Uh, he hangs Wallace in the elevator. And he write. What do you write on it? Like touchable. oh, he wrote, he wrote oh yeah, he wrote touchables. That's right. 
Now, that wasn't one, one of them, but it's pretty good. But it leads into what's happening next. Because that's what they need to know where the uh, where the the accountant is or whatever for uh, for yeah, the they phone. Gotta, right. And so they realize like they're being indicted and stuff now, and so they're like, we got to move the accountant out. <laughs> this is when Malone attacks the police chief. They just beat the fuck out of each other in the middle of. Because <laughs> he's gonna drop the case in a rainy night. Anyway, so yeah, he just beats the fuck out of him and, t- and tells him where where he is or whatever. And they find out he's going to be leaving on the 12.05 train to Miami. So, freaking, so Stone and uh, and Elliot go to the train station. Right. And this is but, the next classic scene. Right. Well, Malone's in his apartment, though. And we yeah. actually get a, this is actually a pretty cool scene because they do it from the, the point of view of the thug that sneaks in. So the whole thing is first-person perspective, the whole shot. And he's, like, trying to find him in the house. He's looking around, and he realizes he's in that room or he's in this room. And then he just kind of shows up with a shotgun. He's, like, a typical wop. Brought a knife to a gunfight. But he leads him outside, and Nitty's waiting for him with a Tommy gun. He kills him. Yeah. And then that's the end of poor Sean Connery. But and we know when he gives him the note telling him when he, he's gonna be on the train. Right. When they so now he knows he knows what's happening next. So he goes to Union Station. And I like how he's got the whole scene where he's like he's trying to figure out who's gonna get on the train, and everybody looks suspicious. Like the guy's reading the newspaper and looking around the pillar, but turns out he's just meeting his wife. Yeah. And everybody, yeah, everybody's suspicious. And then there's like the lady struggling to get her kid up the stairs in the baby carriage. When she like so started like, jockeying stuff around, I was like, "What you do is you put your bags in the carriage and you hold the child." Yeah, right. Would that have been the easiest solution? <laughs> then it was like, Elliot, you're a douche. You're not helping. And then he finally helps, but that's when all the shit starts going down. Yeah, because they all run, they all run down the stairs. Then he finally realizes, uh, just about everybody is the. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, everybody I thought was suspicious actually is. It's a guy whose nose he broke shows up. Yeah. And then that's when that's the big shootout scene. Yeah, he's got the shotgun and he's just like blowing guys away. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so and then the freaking baby carriage starts going down the stairs. And that's when Stone like saves them at one point, just like shoots a guy in like a really almost impossible shot. Yeah. And then Stone's just, like, booking it, and you're like, what's Stone doing? He's just running like a crazy person. Meanwhile, Elliot's just blowing everybody away. Yeah. And the carriage just keeps going and down. I like the close-up where she's like, my baby. <laughs> and so he starts running down the stairs to try to stop the stop the kid from, like, flying off. Yeah. I don't think this was supposed to be funny, but I ended up laughing. <laughs> and then that's when Stone just, like, slides in and blocks the carriage with his foot as he, like, shoots yeah. a guy. And then yeah, all that's well, left is one guy and the freaking accountant. The bookkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> but he's got... He, and Stone's actually got the gun drawn on him. He's like, you got him? Yeah, I got him. All right, cool. Take him. <laughs> he just shoots him. So they do. And then, of course, we get to the final scene, which is the courthouse scene. And this is the fourth classic scene. Yep. As the... the uh, of course, the... Uh, trial is underway and then uh elliot 
chases Nitty through the entire courthouse. Yeah, because he's got a gun on him, and he's like, Bailiff, take that man out of here. And then he he's, like, searched him, and he has his his uh, his matches. Yeah. And in the matches like- is where he puts, like, his jobs. And on yeah. and in that matches is the ad, uh, the address of Malone's house. And yeah, like, and he's like oh, mocking shit. the way that he died. <laughs> and that's my favorite part when he throws him off the roof. He goes, "Did it sound anything like that?" <laughs> yeah. So like he, they chase chase him all through the freaking courthouse. They get on the roof. He starts shooting him. So he just like rolls to the side and falls off the roof. <laughs> but thankfully, there's like a secondary roof only like six feet below or whatever. And he shoots his hat off. And they just all around, and then he finds, like, some rope, so he starts to climb down, and Ness finally gets to him, and he realizes he can't do anything. So he climbs up, and he helps him up, and then that's when he starts being a dick. And he's like, Frank cried like a little piggy. And that's when he just grabs him, and he thinks he's going to throw him into the wall, but he just chucks him off the roof. Because what are you prepared to do? Exactly. So he keeps asking him the whole time throughout the movie, well, what are you prepared to do? Prior to do next. Um. So he gets back know. downstairs, and freaking Stone's like, "Oh, that dude had this hit the list of all the yeah, all, all the jurors. jurors they're gonna pay off. off." And so they're like, "He's like yelling at the judge," and the judge's like, "Nope." And then he's like, "I want to talk to you in private," and everyone leaves. And and he apparently he tells them that his name is in the ledger. So, when they come back, he's like, I want, a bailiff, I want you to take this jury and switch it with the jury next door. They're like, oh, well, that's going to suck. And, and Capone then... starts throwing a fit about it. And then the freaking, his... His lawyer's just like, we like to change our plea. His lawyer's just like, uh, I can't do anything about it. And Capone starts getting really angry at him. And he's like, well, fuck you, buddy. And he punches out his lawyer in court. And he's like, we're, we're, we're guilty then, if you're going to be a dick. I love it. It's like, even even Capone's lawyer is, is sick of his shit, so he's not he's not going to fight anymore. <laughs> <laughs> a Capone gets sentenced to 11 years, and then I like how Ness is closing up his office and he hangs up his last headline about Capone. Like, his first headline was <laughs> pretty much how he sucked. Yep. And then um, he has uh, Capone's St. Jude medallion the whole time that he took from him after he got killed. And he gives it to Stone as a farewell gift. Yeah. Because Malone would have wanted a cop to have it. And then <laughs> one of my favorite lines at the end, as he's walking out of the police station, the reporter's like, you know, the prohibition might soon be repealed. What will you do then? I think I'll have a drink. And then he walks away and credits. And credits. Um, John Barrowman, I suppose, was in here It's somewhere, and I did not spot him. He said he was like the man on the street, but I definitely did not spot his cameo. He would have been pretty young. Someone else was in there who was pretty young. Yeah. Uh, who was it? I recognized, I recognized somebody. Oh, never mind. That was the episode of Cheers I watched. <laughs> oh, okay. They're totally the same thing. Yes, absolutely the same thing. Okay. All right. So here's some f- cool facts about the Untouchables, unless Dan has any first. Any statistics? 
I just uh, it was nominated for four Oscars and and Sean Connery won for best supporting actor. Oh, you're damn right. Um, to get the authenticity of Al Capone's costume, Robert De Niro actually tracked down his original tailors and had them make the clothing. Dang. He, al- he also insisted on wearing the same style of silk underwear that Al Capone wore, even though it would never be seen on camera. And the producers were just like, all right, you're a method actor, De Niro, so go ahead. Do what you got to do. <laughs> All right, so director Brian De Palma met Bob Hoskins over a drink in L.A. to discuss playing Al Capone if De Niro were to pass on the role, because Hoskins was going to be choice number two. De Niro hadn't actually said yes then, so Hoskins told De Palma he would do it if he were available. But when De Niro finally took the role, De Palma kind of sent Hoskins a thank you note and even paid him on his pay or play deal, $200,000. So Bob Hoskins calls him and was like, are there any more movies that you don't want me to be in? (laughs) (laughs) Um, They don't reveal the uh, amount of the bribe, but basically Capone promised Elliot Ness that there would be a thousand notes on his desk every Monday morning if he turned a blind eye to the bootlegging activities. And of course, a thousand dollars in 1930 was a very large amount of money. Uh, The irony of this is that Ness refused the bribe, and when he passed away at age 54, he was almost broke. <laughs> what did you learn? That uh, crime does pay? <laughs> Apparently so. Um, the last actual survivor of the real-life Untouchables was Albert H. Wolf, and because he was alive when the movie was being created, he was used as a consultant and he helped Kevin Costner with his portrayal of Elliot Ness. So that's like the big accuracy thing. Um, the real Al Capone and Elliot Ness never actually came face to face during their battles. This is despite the two scenes in the movie, which happen in the hotel and in the courtroom where they actually are in the same room. That actually never happened. Yeah, but uh, it's a movie. Yeah. Deleted scene that I think would have been fun was going to be a closing scene of Al Capone kind of mimicking the opening scene where he's getting a shave, only this time it was going to be in his jail cell surrounded by reporters. And also, people who were considered for the role of Elliot Ness included Michael Douglas, Don Johnson, Mel Gibson, and an offer went to Harrison Ford, but he actually turned it down. That would have been a much different movie. A much, much different movie. Apparently, Jack Nicholson was offered, also offered this role, and so was William Hurt. Um, a little bit of irony here. Anytime you see a cop drinking alcohol on screen in this film, the cop ends up dead. Oh, really? Indeed. Um, in the film, Frank Nitti gets killed. In reality, he actually took over Capone's empire. And ended up shooting himself. Yeah, this was more. This was this was more more of the awesome. Yes, indeed. All right, those are a couple of fun little facts about the Untouchables. Um, I liked it. Yep. Fun ride. Good movie. Um, good good historic type film, but without being a hundred percent historically accurate. But they sacrificed some stuff for entertainment, and I like the story they told. So. 
in the end, that stuff does not matter to me. Made it was a twenty-five million dollar budget, but it made one hundred and six million dollars at the box office. Yep, made money. It made its money. Money, 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 money. One thing I think is funny is that it actually premiered in New York City. I feel like it should have premiered in Chicago. Oh yeah. <laughs> I feel like that would have been the more appropriate. But oh well, what do I know? All right, so that was the Untouchables. Uh, what's coming up next week, Dan? Uh, well, you know, next week is going to be Space Jam. Yes, this is going to be awesome. Um, I, I don't remember exactly the source of this, but I had seen that somebody was watching Space Jam on their Amazon Prime account, and I have Amazon Prime now. I'm like, I can watch Space Jam, and I was like, then it was like Space Jam, and then I mentioned Space Jam again, and Dan was like. Yeah, that's going to be the movie. And I was like, okay, cool. So that's pretty much how that turned out. Uh, this is going to be one of the first true throwback movies to my childhood that I think we've actually reviewed here. Because Space Jam was awesome, and I'm so looking forward to reviewing this. Apparently we still have our VHS copy. Yes, I totally still have a VHS copy. Because I mentioned it, and my sister's like, I still have the movie. That's awesome. So, yes, next week will be Space Jam. And then, the week after, we'll finally get to Wet Hot American Summer, as promised. Yes, because the Netflix show changed when it's coming out. Um, and here's the thing. We already moved it once, so even if they change it again, we're still going to do Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, but we can't really push it back any further. The rest of the year's already booked. <laughs> yeah, the rest of the year's kind of booked. Uh, after Wet Hot American Summer... We're going to be in August, and in August we're going to do back-to-school month, which I know some of you out there who still take classes will probably dread, but we're going to do four weeks of the best college and other school-based movies, high school or college, depending on how we've got the lineup working here. should be fun. It's going to be a blast. Um, but yes, that was The Untouchables. And uh, I am Chris. That is Dan. And I guess we'll see you guys next week. Welcome to the Space Jam.